And I'm going to ask Deliah if she would come and share with you uh, some things about their ministry with the van out there with silent voices. And uh, if we can have this microphone here going, that will work out fine. All right, Deliah. Hello, everyone. All right, so I know you all saw the van outside. You can't miss it. And we're hoping that a whole lot of people throughout San Diego won't miss it either. Um, so how many of you thought he did that thing of choices because of us? Choices, choices, real choices. <laughs> um, so real choices, Chula Vista, just to get you guys to understand why we have two different names. Silent Voices is how we started back in 1984 over at Horizon Christian Fellowship through the um, direction of Sharon Pierce, our ministry director. And Silent Voices really speaks about the silence in the womb of the child who is lost through abortion. And those of us who understand the tragedy of abortion understand the name. But as we are going out into the community through our events, like uh, community fairs, people ask us, are you guys working with deaf people? Or, you know, what is, what is silent voices supposed to mean? And it really just didn't un wasn't understood by the, the basic um, people around us. So we decided that we needed a new name to really speak to our clients, especially since we were going to be having a van that was going out. If they see a van that's traveling around that says silent voices, they're going to be a bit confused as well. So Real Choices Chula Vista shows that we have options for them, that they don't just have one choice, which is what the pro-choice um, lobby is showing. That is all, all about abortion, which is what they're told when they go to a place like Planned Parenthood, that you can't do it, this is too difficult, this is what you need to do. You need to have an abortion, and that's the only choice that they offer them. But what we offer them is the choice of parenting, the choice of adoption, and if they decide that they are going to have an abortion, we want them to be informed about what is going to happen to them, to their body, to their child. So we offer them choices. So real choices, Chula Vista. Now, as we have this van, we have an opportunity to not just be in Chula Vista, but to go throughout the South Bay area and also here into Coronado. We do plan on parking over on Orange Avenue, close to the uh, touristy area, and have that opportunity for people to come in and see their child. Because people from all walks of life are considering abortion, no matter what is going on in their demographics. They say that you know, abortion is for women who um, you know, just are having so difficult in their lives, there's no possible way that they can have a child at this time, or that they have, are suffering from abuse or they're suffering from a rape. And this is the reason why we need to have abortion available. But the people who actually are in that category are less than 1% of those who have had an abort uh, or have rape or from incest or things like that. And so we want to show them that, you know what, life is difficult. We do understand that. But there are so many people and so many things out there for them to help them through it. That's what we have there to offer them. So our choices aren't just, yes, this is your baby, this is what your baby looks like, and we, you know, we would love for you to have your child because this is the alternative with abortion, and this is you know, just deadly and, and um, disturbing. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your child. But we want to move past that and not just share with them until they have the baby, but to be there with them continuously into the life of the child 
into their lives as well because it's not just about the baby, it's also about them, about the family. We offer them parenting classes, we offer them life skills, helping them to achieve their dreams, to go back to school, to get a job, to have an account, to have um, a place to live. We wanna help them to improve themselves so that they can improve the life of their children as well. We don't want them to, to stay there down in the depths and say, you know, this is difficult. I'm going to have my child, but, and I'll struggle through it. Yes, we all struggle, but we have a mighty, amazing God who can help us through it all. And we want them to understand that as well. <clears throat> so Silent Voices, Real Choices Chula Vista, we are there to provide pregnancy, parenting education, and Jesus Christ. And we want you guys to be there with us as well. One of the things that we have to offer is called um, life advocates for the church. We want someone, people, doesn't have to be one person, but many of you who are interested in being a part of this ministry to come and work with us. Maybe you don't have the time to come weekly or maybe twice a month or something, but if you can come every other month, we have a meeting every third Monday of every odd month. So our next one is actually going to be the 21st uh, this month. We have a meeting for life advocates. And those are people who want to share the love of Christ with these people um, who are considering abortion, but really just don't have a whole lot of time. And so their purpose is to share what's going on within um, Silent Voices with the church, with their community, with what other organization they happen to be a part of. We also provide training. So that if we have women who come to us and say, you know what, I really do want to get to know Jesus more, but I just don't know where to go. We want them to go to a church that understands the struggle that they're going through. And so what we do is we teach a course that's called Making Life Disciples. And you can see this out on the table later. It's a, it's a six-session um, course. It's really a wonderful thing to show what they're going through and how you can minister to them. And we're going to be there to help you through that. The other thing is that as women come onto our van, if they're a single mom and um, they find out they're pregnant, they're going to keep their child, we have this thing called love in a box that we're going to be giving to them. Inside of our van, you'll see one open and you can see what it looks like inside the, uh, the contents. But this is from an organization called Embrace Grace. So there are two things that we want to be started here in the church. We want a life advocate and people to be taking the making life disciples course, to learn how to reach women or to help men as well who have ha past abortion. And we want churches to start Embrace Grace because when these women come to us and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant, I don't have anybody around me to help me, we want to say, oh, you know what? Where do you live? In Coronado? Well, there's this place where you can go to an Embrace Grace program. And it's there that they go, th go through a 12-week course where they're going to learn about God's love for them, how special and important they are, how special their children are. And also, at the end of the course, through the Embrace Grace program, they, they encourage the ministry to give each woman a baby shower. <laughs> so this is an incentive for the ladies to come to this course, but not just to get that, you know, that baby shower. That's their goal, but your goal is to love them and show them God's grace. And so that is how we want to bring them to Christ. We are there to provide the material needs. You are here to provide the spiritual need. We need you. So we're asking if you would like to be a part of that, please come and see me. Write your name down. 
go inside, check out the van, find out what it is that we do a little bit more. I know I don't have that much time here right now, but we would love for you to come and learn more, especially January 21st. If you'd like to come over to our office for our make, um, Life Advocate meeting, please come and visit us. It's from 6 to 7 p.m., uh, 6 to 7.30 p.m. We have guest speakers each time, and this month we're going to have a guest speaker talking to us about, um, uh, I'm sorry, she will be talking to us about the school curriculum on sex education and how we can combat it. So if you're interested in that and would like to learn more, please come to that as well. All right, that was it. Thank you, Delilah. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Another thing we're going to do at the end of the service, and I give you time to prepare for it, is we want to take an offering for them. Uh, the van was provided them, but uh, they have a lot of needs financially. So uh, we, we give those little bottles full of change and so on, and, uh, but we want to do something more. So you'll have time to write a check, to dig into your wallet, and try to help save some lives of little babies. So it's amazing uh, what ministry they're able to do. So thank you, Deliah, for what you do and for all the ladies over there that help out. We've been over there several times taking things over. If you have nice, gently used baby clothing, things like that, they would be happy to receive those as well. Well, we're officially now in the United States of America in the longest war that we have ever been engaged in, the war on terror. Uh, the length of this war, however, kind of pales when compared to the not-so-unrelated struggle of the Jewish people with Arab people that has gone on uh, as a result of the conflict that began with a man named Abraham who made a choice uh, to have a child with his wife's handmaiden. He was free to make a choice, but he was not free from the consequences of that choice. The same is true for you and for me today. We will make any number of choices today even. We make choices every single day, and we have great freedom in the United States of America to make choices, but we're not free from the consequences or the rewards of those choices that we made. The real choices people can tell you about uh, some of the consequences that come because of decisions that uh, ladies make uh, to terminate their pregnancy. Uh, but later this morning, I'm going to ask you to make a choice I'm going to ask you to choose something for this next year, for the uh, coming uh, rest of, of 2019. So get ready for that. But we know a little bit about Abram, who later was named Abraham. He was chosen of God to leave the Ur of the Chaldees, his own uh, city, his own countryside, where he had been born, where he's raised. He and his wife would become the parents of a whole new nation and a whole new people of God, according to Genesis chapter 12. We know that he obeyed that, sort of. Because he did leave Ur of Chaldees, but he took with him uh, Lot, his nephew. And you can read about that in Genesis chapter 12. But the text for today is in Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Genesis 13, verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negab, the south part, pretty much arid and dry, south part of the Holy Land. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he journeyed on the south side as far as Bethel to the place where the tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who also went with him, also had many flocks and herds and tents, 
so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. As they were traveling around as a nomad people, it became more and more of a burden to set up all of the, uh, the, the living stations and the flocks and all of that of these two uh, men. Their possessions were so great they couldn't dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. And then Abram said to Lot, Abram said, let there be no strife between you and me, between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are relatives, we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? So Abram said to Lot, separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, I'll go to the right. If you take the right hand, I'll go to the left. And Lot, the Bible says, lifted up his eyes, and he saw the Jordan Valley. I've been there. If you've been there, it is incredible. It's beautiful. As you look out the Jordan Valley and and this arid land, this arid countryside, all of a sudden there's this verdant, rich valley of plush and lush growing plants. And he says, it's like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. And this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And then the text is today, so Lot chose for himself. If you remember that, you got the whole message. Lot, first point, chose, second point, for himself, third point, fourth point coming up. I'm going to keep that up on a secret. So Lot journeyed east and thus separated from each other. So the first point is Lot. Lot is a significant figure in Scripture. And like Abraham, he was born in Ur of the Chaldees. And when his father died, he was put in charge of his grandfather, took care of Terah, his granddad, and he accompanied him and his uncle Abram to Haran in Genesis 11. After his grandfather passed away, he joined Abram in the journey to Canaan and then back to Egypt and then back to Canaan again. After choosing the Jordan Valley for his home, he gradually, get this, he gradually gravitated towards Sodom, rising to a level of prominence sitting in the city gates of Sodom. And I want you to know it was a gradual thing. Seldom do people fall into sin. Seldom do people fall into sin. What we do is we gravitate toward it. We saunter toward it. We dance around it. We get to the edge. If this is, by the way, you people who sit on these cliffs and, you know, 10,000 feet below you and you're just sitting there dangling, you're nuts. You're just, that's crazy, you know? I mean, a little puff of wind or whatever. But if, if, if this is a huge chasm here, a lot of times we get just as close as we can to the edge. This is sin. This is wrong. This is okay. I, I'm going to get just as close. And we kind of cozy up to it until we become unstable and we, we fall over because we've been flirting with it. I guarantee you, if you have a diet for this year and you go to McDonald's and you look at the cookie box there. The first look is not sin. The second look, you're inching toward it. The third and fourth looks are deep sin, okay? Because you're already deciding, I'm going to get one of those and one of those and one of those because there are three for however much. I happen to know that. And so he, he, he cozied up to sit. His, and another thing, have you ever gone to a restaurant in the middle of the day when, when bright sunshine outside and you walk in and you cannot see a blooming thing? Anybody ever had that experience? Huh? Because it's so dark in there and you, you kind of, and the, the maitre d's been there for all day and so they're, they're like, follow me. And you say, who said that? Who said that? 
And, and you, you finally stagger around and you find out where they are and they put you at the table and you sit down. And what happens? You can't read the menu, but after about 15 or 20 minutes, what's, you can. You can read the menu. You can see other people coming in, stumbling and staggering around because they can't see because they came in from outside. But your eyes become accustomed to the dark. And that's how we are as children of God sometimes. Our eyes become accustomed to the dark. We gradually move towards sin. We, we play around with it. We kind of cozy up to it. We dance around it. And we think we're not going to get involved in it. But if we are not careful, that's exactly what happens. There, from the Jordan Valley, Lot was carried off by four Mesopotamian kings. Abraham attacked, defeated those kings, freed Lot, and recovered everything and everyone who had been taken. That's the, that's the subject matter, Lot. But Lot chose, second point, he chose Abram realized that there was a need to separate from his nephew and, and his herdsmen in order to avoid conflict. He was wise enough to see that. And therefore, Abram told Lot, choose wherever you want to go, wherever you want to dwell. Uh, and, and the Bible says the way that Lot made that decision was he lifted up his eyes and he looked. Do you know how Eve made that decision? She looked. She saw that it was pleasant. She saw that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise, and then she took. She saw, she desired, she took. That's the process we go through when we're making the wrong kind of decisions. And he lifted up his eyes. He beheld. He saw the plain of Jordan. It was well watered. And so <clears throat> he made that choice based on that. Later on, John would write in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of God, but is of the world. Our eyes get us into trouble. Our eyes invite all kinds of things into our lives that are not good for us. And if we're not discerning and careful and wise and, and, and spiritual, our eyes will lead us down a very dark, dark path. The Hebrew word here for chose, lot chose, in Genesis 13, 11, is the word bakar, which means to choose, elect, or decide for. So lot chose, he decided for, and the third point is himself. He decided, he chose for himself. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He had herds, right? He had livestock. He looked out and he saw the Jordan was well watered and there was many, plenty of food. It was a logical choice. It was a lot. By the way, logic does not always equate to biblical. I don't know what to, how you're going to respond to this, but it is not logical. It is not logical that God would die for me. That's not, that doesn't make sense. I'm the one who sinned. I'm the one who falls short of the glory of God. I'm the one who disobeyed him. I'm the one who make my own mind up about things. I'm the one who wants to rule over my own life. And so God is going to die for me. That doesn't make sense. That's not logical. But it's true. And so sometimes logic is a really faulty way of determining what path we take. No mention of prayer here. Now, now I understand I'm limited to what the Bible says, and, and I, I, possibly he prayed, but there's no mention of it here. There, there are mentions of prayer in other places where people make decisions in the Word of God, and they pray about things. They ask God, they seek God's, but there's no mention of it here. There's no mention of seeking other counsel uh, other times. Uh, Moses even sought his father-in-law's counsel and advice in a certain situation. So 
There, there's no mention of that. Lot chose for himself. Abram was generous and in deference to Lot, and Lot was self-centered and selfish and covetous. <clears throat> Too many people choose for themselves, not taking into account God's will or their spouse's will or their children's needs and desire. And in Romans chapter 15, verse 1, we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like we must not just please ourselves, the Bible says. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others to do what is right and build them up in the Lord, for even Christ didn't live to please himself. He came to please his Father. Fourth point is this. Here's the point I didn't tell you before. Lot chose for himself, without realizing it, the consequences. He chose the consequences. He chose being captured by the Mesopotamian kings. Oh, by the way, Shouldn't that have been a wake-up call? I, I, mean, I mean, you know, sometimes things happen to, not all the time, but sometimes things happen to us to wake us up and get a hold of us and shake us a little bit so that we don't rely upon ourselves, but we rely upon omnipotent God for deliverance, for help, for guidance. Should have been a wake-up call. Abram came and saved him in Genesis 14. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, a type of communion back before Christ was ever crucified, before Christ uh, was ever realized as to who he was, of course, thousands of years before that. And he was a priest of the Most High God, Melchizedek was, and he blessed him, and he said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Tithing, giving 10% of all that God gave him. Tithing was before the law. The law wasn't given yet on Mount Sinai. Tithing was instituted right here. Tithing was incorporated into the law. Tithing was practiced after the law. And why we would think for a minute that under grace we should do less than was done under the law escapes me entirely. So the, wake, the capture by the Mesopotamian kings should have been a wake-up call. The next thing was the destruction of Sodom. Did you know, and I know you do if you read your Bibles, Genesis 18, did you know that Abram tried to intercede for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah? He prayed. They, they, he did. He prayed. He sought uh, God, and, and he, he tried to uh, negotiate the saving of Sodom. He said, uh, please be patient with me, but, but suppose there are 50 righteous people in Sodom. Would you spare the city for their sake? Yes, I will. What about 45? Yes, I'll do it for 40. What about 40? Yes. What about 30? Yes. What about 20? Yes. What about 10? Abram said, if there are 10 righteous people, will you spare the city? And God said, yes, I will. And, and Abram stopped at 10. You know why? Because he said, my nephew is there. His daughters are there. His wife is there. His family is there. Surely they have influenced someone for Christ. Surely they are for God. Surely they have told people about Almighty God. And surely they've got a gathering and a following of people who seek after the Lord. Surely they have after all this time. Two angels were sent to warn Lot because there were not ten righteous people found. The angels had to come and get... I mean, supernatural beings had to practically drag him out of town. 
The angels came and stayed in his house. The men of the town of Sodom surrounded the house, demanded the visitors come out so they could be intimate with them. Lot is so far down the, the dark path now that he says something that's incomprehensible to me. I have two daughters. He said this. I have two daughters. This is Lot speaking. They've never known a man. I'll send them out to you. That's what Lot said. I can't fathom that. I can't think. I can't even imagine what that's. What he's thinking. How morally bankrupt he was by this time. I'm going to tell you something, folks. We get all exercised as well we should by the sinfulness of humanity, and and humanity is awfully sinful. But there's a lot of us Christians who can do some pretty dastardly things, some pretty bad things. A lot of times the judgment comes not because the wicked are being wicked, because they always are wicked, but because the righteous are being wicked, and God chastises. Finally, the angels struck the, the men of the village with blindness and persuaded Lot to leave, didn't give him a choice, and, and, he went, and he tried to get his sons-in-law to go with him and his other daughters, and they wouldn't go. They laughed at him. They mocked him because you, you're saying what? You're saying God who? What God? What are you talking about? You haven't told us about God before. You haven't lived for God before. Why should we pay? They mocked him. They ridiculed him, and they stayed there, and his daughters that were married to those sons perished along with the son-in-laws. He finally left town with his two unmarried daughters and his wife, and his wife was judged by God and turned into a pillar of salt. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. My wife used to collect salt shakers, and there was one time there was one in the sh- it said Lot's wife. I, I, that's, that wasn't the pepper. His wife would die. Because she turned around, she was so so enamored with Sodom and, and not wanting to leave. His daughters then make him drunk and are intimate with him, incestuous with him, producing the, 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 the he becomes the progenitor, Lot does, of the Ammonites and the Moabites who become bitter enemies with the people of God. Okay, I, I said before, not everything that's logical is biblical. If I'm looking at Lot, and I don't know what the Bible says. I'm saying this guy's lost as a goose in a snowstorm. He is lost. Peter said, God delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation or living standards of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and reserve the unjust in the day of judgment to be punished. Lot was a just man. Lot was righteous. Lot was saved, but he wasn't living right. He was carnal. Paul talked about Christians being carnal as opposed to being spiritual, being led by the lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, the pride of life rather than by the Holy Spirit of God. Hebrews 12, 6 says, For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every child whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have come to endure. God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not his children. King James has a word 
bastard. You're without a legitimate father. Jesus vouched for the sad story and the sad truth of Sodom in Luke chapter 17. And again, I say to you, we're free to make choices. You will make choices today. You've already made choices. You'll make more choices throughout the day and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and on through the rest of the week. And as long as you have air to breathe and, and, and a heart beating in your chest, you will make choices, but you will not be free, nor will I, from the consequences of the choices that we make. I'm asking you to consider some choices that I believe God would want you to make. I'm going to ask you to make a one-year commitment. I'm going to ask you to take this out of your bulletin. If you have your bulletin, it's a, it is a commitment sheet. This is the time of year when we, we do the kind of the spiritual inventory. We kind of look at where we are. We, we kind of hit the reset button on some things. Maybe we intended to read our Bibles every day last year and it didn't work out. Maybe we intended to pray many times a day and, it, and we didn't. Maybe we meant to tithe and we, we left off or we took on some mission project feeding those kids in, uh, in Pakistan and Karachi. Uh, maybe, that, maybe we wanted to do that, but we kind of forgot about it. Time to readjust everything. Reset everything. And I'm asking you to consider making a one-year commitment. I'm not saying for the rest of your life do these things. I'm saying for the next year. Would you work once or twice a year with these kids over here? You know what? If I didn't have to be out here in the pulpit, I'd be in there with those kids every once in a while. Aren't they precious? They're incredible. They're so smart. They're funny. love working with them. Kathy needs some more people to help her. Kathy, is that right? And if they could work every other week or once a month or twice a month, you'd be happy with that, wouldn't you? She'd be very happy. Some of you are good with kids. Some of you think you're lousy with kids, but you'd do all right if you just give it a shot. You don't have to teach the lessons even. You, you can just be in there to help and to be a friend to them and help. And, and by the way, Kathy needs an assistant. She needs someone who will help her. She does an incredible job. But she needs someone who will come alongside of her. Four hands can do more than two. And so there's, there's an opportunity to be uh, in the children's ministry or, or to, to be a helper uh, with, with, um, with Kathy. You could write that down. So I'll be her assistant. Or joining the VIP. We, uh, we've had a couple of people transfer out, haven't we? <laughs> like a couple of dozen people transfer out. And so the people who commit to be out here to greet people, to make you, uh, to give you a smile when you come in and to shake your hand and give you a hug and, and to help pump you up and give you a good day and tell you where the donuts and coffee are, we, we, we need some people who can do that. So the only requirement to be a greeter out there is that you're a friendly person. If you're mean, we don't want you doing that. We'll figure out something else for you to do if you're mean. But if you're friendly, then you could be a greeter once a month or, or a couple of times a month or however uh, you're available. That's something. Would you consider doing that? Media ministry. These guys back here who do such an incredible job and, uh, and, and we rotate around. Again, some people who were doing that have been moved and, and been transferred. And so we need some people to help. Maintenance ministry. There are things that have to be done here. The furnace is not working. <laughs> we're wrestling with this furnace for the last, the coldest part of the year. Of course. And it's not working, but we're trying to, there's things around here that need to be done. 
And if you're available, we'd love to see you plug in there. Would you consider saying, I'm available? I'll be on call. Give me a call if you need something over the next year. What about praise team? Uh, our praise team is incredible. Uh, Cheryl is not feeling well today. You need to be praying for her. Otherwise, she's always here. And the other praise team members are here. We thank God for them. Maybe God has given you a talent you might use. Or the hospitality ministry. And this is something that's going to meet quarterly. And, and we'll have a, a meal together, time of fellowship together. So four times in the coming year, you would be involved in, in helping Julie, who heads that up. Julie uh, Ziegler. Julie Ziegler heading that up. In addition, would you, would you recommit to reading your Bible on a daily basis? You know where this message came from today? I started, again, reading through the entire Bible, and I came to Genesis 13, and just like it jumped off the page, Lot chose for himself. I have written that, I read that passage rather probably, uh, I don't know, you know, probably 50 times, 100 times, I don't know. But it just jumped off the page at me. Lot chose for himself. Bad choice, bad thing. Would you choose to read? That's how God speaks to me most of the time. I don't hear voices. I don't hear God's voice. The Holy Spirit will lead sometimes in circumstances and through people, but most of the time it's through the Word of God. Would you commit to praying several times a day? Would you commit to tithing, giving uh, to the Lord faithfully? Would you commit to missions above the tithe? Would you commit to attending church faithfully? Hebrews 10.25, faithfully. Being in God's house. It's His day. Not yours, not mine. You say, preacher, that's the only day I have off. Boy, that's bad news for you. Because that's not Jim's day, it's not Tom's day, it's not Pat's day, it is God's day, it is Sunday, and that's the day you set aside to worship Him. So I want you to look through this. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes here. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up, and they're going to sing a verse or two of our invitation. And while they're singing, we're going to fill out whatever it is we need to fill out. We're going to check whatever it is we need to check. And then I'm going to ask you to turn those in. I'm going to ask you to bring them up here. And, and I don't have a table up here right now, so just lay them like this is an altar or something. Just, just put them down here somewhere when you get yours filled out. You can remain seated for right now. They'll sing through a couple of verses. If you need a counselor, come on up here. I'll talk to the guys. If, and my wife can talk to the ladies and pray with the ladies. If you want to receive Christ as your personal Savior, that's the most important thing. If you want to join the church, we've got a new members class next week. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. If you want to be baptized, that's going to be happening February the 3rd. Whatever it is, we can help you with. But would you prayerfully fill out this card and then bring it up here and just put it right down here as soon as you get it filled out. We'll give you a few minutes to do that as they stay.